The transformation that I've noticed is actually being able to talk to neighbors uh, and how God transforms hearts uh, to care for the neighborhood, not just in this theoretical way. Like people know neighbors' names and they can pray for them and they're engaged in what's happening in the neighborhood, you know? So it's just this turn towards a place. Dinner Church is a simple and powerful approach to church where food, friendship, and the stories of Jesus are shared around a dinner table. New Dinner Church congregations are starting all over North America. The Dinner Church podcast is creating a space for conversation with Dinner Church pastors, leaders who are already a part of what God is doing through Dinner Church in North America. I'm Heather and I love Dinner Church. Although I serve at a thriving church, I felt the tug to get out of the regular Sunday morning routine to bring the good news of Jesus's kingdom to new places. Dinner Church has been a revolutionary experience for me, my team, and for our congregation. And I want you to get a glimpse of what is happening in this inspiring movement. Join us as we listen in and learn more about how to launch and lead a dinner church. In today's episode of Dinner Church Podcast, we have an inspiring conversation with J.D. and Christian Ann Larson, who co-pastor at North City Church in Minneapolis. A couple of years ago, this church plant made a decision to pivot toward a table-centric model of church, and it is thriving. Today, we will touch on just how the leaders took this journey, the lessons that they have learned along the way, and how North City is experimenting for the future. Listen in with me as we hear all about how heart change happens at North City Dinner Church. All right. Well, good morning, everyone from the Dinner Church podcast. Today's a fun morning because we get to switch roles and I'm going to interview JD and his beautiful <laughs> wife, Christian Ann, this morning okay. um, and put him on the spot with some questions. <laughs> so we're going to just dive right in um, and I'm going to ask JD and Christian Ann to just tell us a little bit about themselves and where they've been in ministry and how God is using them today. These people know a little bit about me already, so you should start. Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been in ministry over the past uh, 10 plus years. So um, JD and I met in seminary and uh, God decided to intertwine our paths uh, basically from an interview, which is fun. What a seminarian phrase. <laughs> Oh yeah, we can get Yeah, so I've been in uh, mostly church settings. Um, I was an associate pastor at our, our prior church, our sending church, and then JD and I um, about six years ago entertained, started entertaining planting a church together, and. Um, once we moved to where we live now, our current neighborhood, um, that was really what awoken awoken our heart for planting in that specific area. So, um, yeah, and and happened to be when we were pregnant and growing a family, and you yeah. know, I guess your thirties right. is when you just try to do all the things at the same time. Uh, yeah. but that's that's our story. Probably not too unique to other people in that stage of life. Um, but yeah, I would say in terms of just who I am as a as a pastor or a leader, uh, I'm uh, a shepherding and teaching type. Um, I have a real heart for people on uh, 
you know, on a healing journey, uh, who need, mm-hmm. who, who need God's intervention in their life. Um, whether that be sort of the marginalized and the poor or people kind of in a brokenhearted place. So, um, I'm also, um, going to be a therapist. So I hold both, both the pastor hat and the um, therapist hat and the mom hat and the wife hat. And, you know, we play many roles in life, but that's, that's sure a little do. bit about me. Uh, we live in Minnesota. Um, maybe some uh-huh. of you know that. And, but I'm originally from California. So Minnesota nice only goes so far with me. Uh, I try to <laughs> be more direct and that's just a part uh-huh. of how I was raised. Christian and um, uh, her intro or bio for her counseling <laughs> website, the first sentence is, Christian Ann is someone who can fi- simultaneously make you feel like she's giving you a hug and giving you a kick in the pants. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, we need more of those in our the, life, don't we? Got the invitation and challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I yeah. love it. Great. All right. So um, JD and Christian Ann planted North City Church in Minneapolis. How many years ago was that? Officially four, um, but it's been in the works for about five years. Awesome. All right. And so there came a point where they made a decision to pivot into uh, more of a dinner church model. So I'm going to ask you to kind of walk us through that journey that took you to the place where you wanted to focus on dinner church as being the way you do church. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can tell that story. So we um, as we were forming the genesis of North City and we're doing a lot of discernment prayer with our people, one common word came out and theme from the Gospels, and that was table. And we Mm -hmm. were taken by how many interactions Jesus has around the table and particularly the story of the road to Emmaus as people kind of. Uh, metaphorically and phys- physically were walking away from what God had been doing or distant from Jerusalem, the center of, right. of activity. Uh, Jesus met them along that way and revealed who he truly was around a table. And we were just so in, uh, engrossed in that story, but we didn't know fully what that meant for us. And initially that meant just eating with a lot of our neighbors and then doing church as normal, I would say. Mm-hmm. And right. on the fifth Sundays, we'd experiment with this thing called a uh, brunch church where people would bring potluck and we loved it. Mm-hmm. And we were loving the first few months of our church plant. It was uh, growing, a lot of good energy. And then, of course, March 2020 came along. So uh, okay. uh, it was uh, it was a rough turn. We didn't know what was going on. We did our best just like everyone else to kind of survive and do what mm-hmm. we needed to do to stay together. So we were digital for a while, but then kind of when fast forward, when we came out of the haze of that and we were uh, pretty depleted resource and people wise from that right. kind of ex- experience of being such a fragile young church, right? Uh, our leadership team felt like we had one more, one more move, really one more kind of like expression of this original mm-hmm mission that God gave us. We had a couple different things we had been trying, but when our leadership team prayed about that, we decided to do something we hadn't fully committed to before, which was take those sort of brunch church experiences and try to make that our our main thing. Mm -hmm. At the time, we didn't have the words for dinner church, but that's what that uh, translated into. We called it a summer of experimenting with being a table-centric church. And then we started doing this thing where we had meals in the park for our neighbors and tried to do churchy stuff in the midst of the meal. And then we yeah. found fresh expressions. Then we found Verlin's stuff. And I frantically called him 
And I was like, we need to fly out to Seattle. We yes, need to hang out with you. And we can't wait necessarily for your next training because we're building the plane as it's taking off. And so right. we flew our team out to be with him. And we kind of read the resources that Fresh Expressions has put together yeah. and looked at other examples that are out there and made it our own. And we just experienced like huge confirmation over that summer of experimenting mm. with being a table centric church that gave us the constant, the confidence to then fully become a dinner church, mm -hmm. a, a table centric church in the fall of 2021. So that's what we've been doing since. Awesome. I love that. Um, so I too took my team out to Seattle and had that same experience. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think that that's the best way you can do it just to kind of be immersed in dinner church with Verlin and Melody. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it was such a great experience. So as you started moving in this direction and you made the, the final decision that, yeah, this is how we're going to do church. What are some of the challenges that you faced from the get go? Yeah, I think it was how much time we got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll name I'll name a few. I think one of them is um when you change the modality, the way that you're doing church, you don't realize how much interchange that requires of your people. And so, you know, theoretically people said that sounds great. Let's do it, you know, and mm -hmm. They didn't realize then then they have a bigger role to play yeah. um, that they, you know, it's not just the pastors who are doing the pastoral work, but they like we when we initially started talking about this, we said, you are are the church and they, you know, we've always talked about people being the church, but your presence is what makes this happen. Right, because it's not just when two or three are gathered in worship, but we need you to be across the table from your neighbors. Like, it doesn't work just to be hosting tons of neighbors and two people right. up front. Mm -hmm. It works to experience Jesus in our midst together. Uh, yeah. um, and so, giving them a little more stake in the game, and sort of, we we've had to do some trainings and sort of invitations and discipleship along the way to help people take on more of a priesthood of all believers. You know, everyone has a role to play here. Your shepherding gifts or your prophetic gifts or your, you know, evangelistic gifts, your story matters. And right. you sharing that is actually going to help open up, you know, people sharing their story too, because we have a time where we, you know, we share Jesus story is what we call it for 10 to 15 minutes and then we have a time of discussion. Well, if there's no one to discuss with, mm -hmm. <laughs> we can't do this. Yes. So just kind of helping people imagine the way that they experience Jesus is different mm -hmm. and they'll help them live into that because it's not just through, we don't do as much corporate worship singing. Um, it's not receiving teaching. You're an active participant. Okay. So that's one of the challenges I would say is kind All of right. just helping people make that mindset shift and to learn a new skill as they're doing it yeah. too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Kind of like, it sounds like what you're saying is the church is the pastor. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody pastors in a dinner church is, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. the way I kind of hear that and also see that. So yeah. what about you, JD? What was hard for you? Was it hard to go from standing in front of a, an attentive crowd <laughs> to this noisy kind of way of, of worship. Absolutely. 
Yeah, this is a, a shift to table-centric church is an exercise in giving up control for yeah. the leaders. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there was an internal path for me to take for my own ego yeah. as a church planner that was already bruised by forces that were not <laughs> related yeah. to me uh, with the pandemic. And uh-huh. it's an exercise in humility for all of our leaders. Like we, and um, not just humility, but there's fear that comes up in people when you l- relinquish the control of the like ordered liturgy and everybody's got a liturgy, even the evangelicals out there. And, and uh-huh. even if that there's some spontaneity built in, there's still a liturgy and there's a way that people inhabit that space. And when you invite genuinely your neighbors to participate and be not only are the Christians around the table shaping the time, but anybody who shows up is shaping the yes. time. And whatever they say in the middle of your Jesus story shapes yes. the time, you know? Yes. And whatever weird, uh, whatever ramble that they go on for five minutes about incoherent things that they've experienced in their day shapes the time. And so, like, it's a really, it's really a, a hard practice in humility to yeah. trust that the Holy Spirit is the true leader of that moment around those tables in the midst of a Jesus story, when you get interrupted, um, trusting that people will be okay. Even if people say things that aren't theologically accurate, you know, like, like people get nervous. They do. (laughs) They do. And they will. Absolutely. And people are like, is that okay? Oh my gosh. And it's like, well, you know, Dinner church is like beautiful chaos in some sense. And it's not, not as much chaos as you think, but it's, it, you do have to be ready to enter into the unpredictable and relinquish control. And it just hopefully engenders more dependence on the Holy Spirit to show up right. and work. Even when you're confused, you don't know what to do next. Yeah. And I think uh, to Christian Ann's point, one of the, one of the skills that our people have, have to, had to develop is like, after the pandemic, like just talking to people, people had to learn, but then talking mm-hmm. across difference, uh, socioeconomically, racially, uh, is, yeah. is no joke. I think everybody thinks because they consume certain amounts of information about those things, they're proficient in it, but you aren't until you get across the table and you're actually talking, actually yeah. sharing your heart mm-hmm. and relating. So, yeah. yeah, it doesn't, doesn't the Holy spirit just show up in those, those questionable yeah. Times um, and yeah, it, it really is a is a beautiful working of God in a dinner church setting. Um, so you you kind of touched on the diversity of the people. So t- how has that initial congregation changed? How is that like morphed? What's it morphed into really these days? You know, people try so hard. Um, our church, one of the things that's always on our list of things to work on is how do we get to a more diverse congregation, a more diverse gathering. So what does that look like now that that you're doing this table centric way? Yeah, we, we would say that it's it's really ebbed and flowed. So we kind of have two very two distinct seasons um, with our church, which is summer and then the cold months. <laughs> I guess Summer and months. the rest of the year. <laughs> for yeah, us kind of like us, the normal yeah. temperature and the deadly hot summer. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. So during the summer months, our church, uh, we meet outside. Mm-hmm. And we, we purposely did that coming out of the p- pandemic. But we've kept that rhythm because we love that open mm. table, people kind of stumbling upon uh, the, the, t- the dinner table and joining us 
you know, even though they didn't plan on it. Um, and there's sort of different populations. There's neighbors that are just present with us that we met. You know, it's really cool to see how God interacts just with the spontaneity of someone coming. And then there's people who are looking for a different way of church um, who might plan a visit to North City. Um, right. And, you know, look us up on the website. And so in terms of diversity, um, in the summertime, we have a very diverse table. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have probably three times the amount of people from 50 to 100. I mean, the 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 range is is huge um, of people who come and you're going to get every single type of person. Mm -hmm. And we're right right next to a public pool. So people will literally walk up in their swimsuits. Dripping wet. Dripping wet. (laughs) Several times when we had to move inside for bad weather. I've had to mop up people's dripping uh, <laughs> swimsuit stuff off the floor. So no children slip and crack their head. Yeah, yeah. You know, right, so right. Yeah. That's the long list of things that they don't teach you in seminary. Yeah, yes, exactly. That you didn't expect. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think that the people who have ended up kind of staying and making North City their home, um, that that has been a unique thing to watch over the last couple of years. Um it's it's still not as racially diverse as we would hope. Mm-hmm. Um, I think generally, you know, humans are humans. They're going to be drawn towards people who are more similar to themselves, who have an expression of worship or talking about Jesus that they're comfortable with. And so, you know, we're two white 30-somethings. Um, so we draw a lot of white 30-somethings that end right. up saying, oh, I, this is my church. And... um there's that parenting kind of vibe that we bring and we have a lot of kids. So it tends to be people who have children and that is increasingly being people like there's someone who right now has come the last like four Sundays in a row Mm -hmm. who is an African-American woman and she just, her kids love it, you know, and that's, it's once you get to know like the type of community, you have to develop that trust that doesn't just come from someone saying, Oh, I'm going to totally choose a church that's out of my socioeconomic, uh, <laughs> you know, really like that. Me. That's yeah. not someone asked us early on in our, um, our church planting time. They said, what would, what would cause a black family, an all black family to come to your church? Mm-hmm. We said, hmm. I don't, we, we I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> and we said, I guess trust. You know, that that they would end up getting to know us, um, that this would feel like a community they they trust. And um, so we're just aware that we're not asking, we're we're not like begging anyone to stay. We want this to be a place that they see, they meet Jesus, that they can grow and they have relationships that they can go grow deeper in. So our our core of who are like the committed people tend to be homogeneous. um, And in neighbor life, like in, in the summertime, um, really, I love that any and everyone feels comfortable. It seems like, uh, to stay. And we have a few, um, we have one family that we have a couple of people that speak Spanish fluently. And so that's been a real bridge because, because we get such a diverse group of people at the park, uh, when you get to hear your heart language, you know, spoken just by someone greeting you and inviting you to a meal. I mean, it's interesting. I just this last Sunday, I went up to a family, a, a Latino family said, uh-huh. Hey, you're welcome to come. And I put on my biggest smile. I'm a pretty warm personality. They stayed on the edges of the, of the park. 
Then yeah. our, our friend Molly, who is a part of our church, was, goes up, talks to them in Spanish. There they are, you know. Right. Yeah. 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 everything. Yeah. So it's just yeah. it's it's finding it's using the strengths of your congregation yeah. too. Amen. Um, you know, we we can we can embrace a single mom really well because we we get what it's like to parent. We you know, if someone's able to speak your heart language, you're going to feel that much welcome. Um, but I love that. Like what I say when people say like, you know, who's a part of your church? The last thing I'd say is. I think it's the people who come and who feel invited, like we want anyone to feel invited, but it is so different from the like church building and that barrier of going through doors quite simply. um, I mean, I've, I've talked with people I would have never thought I would have talked to at church, quote unquote, because it's an open table and we always say like everybody needs to eat and wants to eat right we try to have good food so um yeah we experienced that um during covid at our longest running dinner church we'd been running for at that point about five years mm-hmm. and when we were forced to move it outside all of the sudden we had all of these other people when mm-hmm. you say it's easier when you don't you're not asking them to go through doors yeah. um yeah. And we realized, oh boy, we, it's almost like we have a whole nother church on our hands here, yeah. um, which is very, very cool. So, yeah. And I think that you also, without saying so, it's speaking to the point that your regulars, your longtime people um, that have been a part of your church, they really have to grasp this table centric dinner church idea yeah. so that that environment can at first experience be comfortable and safe and they can feel the hospitality and the welcome. And it sounds like you're doing an awesome job at that. So well, we're trying our best. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'd love to come and visit, especially in the summer. <laughs> oh no, no. Come the dead of February. It's the best. <laughs> you want a cultural experience. Yeah. Come on then too, right? Bring yeah. your partner. Come on up. Yeah. yeah. So bring my parka. If only I owned one. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you talked about the amount of children and things like that. So can we talk about a few technical things here first? Um, yeah. So first of all, when you are meeting indoors, is it a regular church building where do you have a building of your own? Is that? We were just having a conversation with our, well, you weren't in the car, but our middle son was like, okay, so we go to church where's our church <laughs> here? He, he's only known mobile church, but he's yeah. like, but he's been to other churches, you know, he's like, so uh-huh. where's our church? And I said, well, our church is the people and we meet in a park, we right. meet in a park outside or in the park building. He's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. He's five. So he's just like, it's like, okay. Yeah. So English, yeah. we meet in the community center inside yep. or uh, yeah. Yeah. Outside. Yeah. We have like a medium-sized multi-purpose room in a community center that we gather in indoors that actually is kind of situated like a mini church with it, with like little kids rooms where they run kids programming throughout the week and Mm -hmm. um, holds about 80 of us pretty well, I would say 80, 80 when we're eating together and then a couple of kids rooms. So, so that's my, my question then how, how do you handle children during Mm -hmm. dinner church? I mean, how do you, how does anyone handle yeah. their kids during dinner? That if anyone has any guide to yeah. that, no, <laughs> um, <Yeah. clears throat> we, we, uh, we, 
have everybody eat together. Um, so that's the first thing we do when we gather. And, um, we know like at five o'clock is when we've been meeting at the dinner time frame. Even then kids are starving. So we always have like a snack available, like a bag of popcorn or something like that um, for kids to, to grab. Cause we, you know, maybe we're not getting started till five Oh five, five ten. Um, and then everybody goes through, we have uh, a meal prepared and that could be a catering option or that could be someone like we have a food coordinator, um, who sometimes prepares the meal, sometimes gets it catered. And, um, then everybody goes through the buffet line and we end up serving the food. You know, we have servers just to sort of limit the amount of germs going on. Um, and everybody eats together for about a half an hour. Yeah. And, uh, then kids are, we sort of have a time where we do a blessing with the kids and say hello again. And then they go to programming and their individual classrooms. We have programming through elementary school. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. And that works well for you. But it sounds like, and so we've tried that. It hasn't worked so well, mm-hmm. but you're th- this being your only way of doing church, you have all the people. So yes. Yeah. That makes and then we that. do our Jesus story. Afterwards, yeah. yeah, and we we currently use our fifth Sundays as kids Sundays. Um, mm-hmm. We've taken a little bit from the messy church world, if you're familiar with that, yes, and we have designed uh, the whole experience to incorporate kids and actually follow the leadership of kids the whole time. So last time, Christian Ann and some of our staff actually did a little skit of the road to Emmaus. Oh, that's awesome. a great idea! Yeah, and, uh, but we. We repeat often that uh, kids are not the future of the church. They're the church now. And so we try to live into that even with our schedules and our time. And then um, uh, we think that they can lead us and their insights around the table are so crucial. So in those times and others, we have like crafts and way that they can respond to the Jesus story. And uh, we have heard repeatedly from adults like, man, I learned as much, if not more this Sunday. Where the kids were kind of leading the content than I did uh, in your best sermon, JD. No, they're not that mean to me, but um, that sort of sentiment. So it's been a real value of our community Mm -hmm. to to create that space. Yeah, very good. All right. So just really quickly, would you walk me through uh, Heather Evans has has heard about this dinner church thing. What am I going to experience from beginning to end of the evening? You ready? Here yeah. we go. All right. so, you, uh, so you might have seen our sign in the neighborhood going by the Weber Parkway, which we're situated on. You're like, community dinner. That sounds uh-huh. interesting. Let's try that. You pull in the parking lot. You summon the courage to get out of the car. You follow <laughs> the signs uh, into the front door and you're greeted by hopefully some smiling faces and some signage and arrows pointing to community dinner and, fam- and kid check-in if you got your kids with you. Uh, someone will show you how that goes. You walk in, there's music playing, there's snacks and drinks available right there. So you can like a party. Everybody likes to have something in their hand at a party to start off. It's easier to talk to each other. You might hear someone say, Hey, find a seat at a table, share something you're grateful for. Hopefully if you're sitting alone, you aren't for too long. Someone will Mm -hmm. come up and say hello and not just say, Hey, thanks for being here. They'll actually like ask you questions about your life and stuff. (laughs) Uh, But 
pretty soon an MC will, will be on the mic and share a little bit of vision about what's actually happening in front of you. Mm-hmm. And you'll learn that this is a church that hosts this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, side note, one of my favorite moments that happens at dinner church is when people look at the little card in front of them and they're like, oh, did you know a church meets here while they're at dinner church? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, like right now, like it's happening this is, this right is now. Uh, this is people, church. I love just watching the frameworks of church explode in people's minds in front mm-hmm. of me. Um, so then you're like, oh, this is a, a church that hosts this community dinner. And uh, and you hear something to the effect of we do this because Jesus did this all the time. He loved people and he loved them by bringing them around the table. Let me pray for the meal. So you pray for the meal and you've noticed that the meal isn't just kind of your box handout lunch situation. It's like robust and has all different components of a good meal and it smells really right. yummy. Maybe the best meal you've had all week. Mm-hmm. Um and you go through a line, the servers are super kind, you sit down, hopefully get in a great conversation with the people around you and you meet someone new. At some point, the M- oh, during that, I should say, there's not just music playing on the speaker, though that's cool too. There's a live musician kind of like coffee mm-hmm. shop style or pub style. Mm-hmm. And in between their songs, they're kind of explaining why they pick the songs and what's important to them. There's songs maybe you've heard before, maybe you've never heard before but they have a spiritual tenor to them, whether they're secular songs or worship songs. Uh, And then uh, the MC gets up and say, Hey, we're going to make a little transition. And pretty soon we're going to share a story from Jesus's life and have a chance to just talk about it around the table. But for now, kiddos, we bless you to your time. And then if you're in our context, like literally half the people there (laughs) leave the room because half of them are under 18. And then you kind of, it takes a different focus in the tenor. And if you if you have the courage to hang around, and most people do, to you hear uh, a communication about a Jesus story that is intertwined with the communicator's story itself. So it's not just mm-hmm. like a this is what the Bible says. What do you think about it? It's a genuine kind of authentic. This is how this has made a difference in my life. And right. then there's an opportunity to ask some of those same questions around the, with the pe- like four or five people around the table with you. Right. Say, what stood out to you and what difference do you think this makes in your life? Those are questions that are asked all the time. And if you got the courage to share, you maybe have the opportunity to share something that you haven't shared with anybody or that's like super vulnerable with some reasonably friendly strangers that you just met. Um, and something about that's really beautiful. Or you just get to listen to how people are kind of processing mm-hmm. what the Jesus story is and it means in their own life. Yeah. And then uh, certain times a year, the time concludes with this kind of beautiful celebration of communion for us, mm-hmm. where the communicator gets back up and ties in the moment that's about to happen with the Jesus story sometimes, or mm-hmm. just a thought that's meaningful. And instead of coming up to a priest and receiving communion, which is great in some traditions, in our context, the people around the table grab a little chalice that's been there the whole time, grab a little cracker, and yes. they serve one another and they uh, pour juice for one another. And then the communicator said, this is the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. And you take that and then you're sent out with this prayer of blessing and you can linger and hang out with your new friends or go home because you're an introvert and you're exhausted (laughs) (laughs) Uh, or stay for prayer. If there's something that hits you and um, at dinner church at North city. So. I love it. I love it. 
All right. So we're, we're going long here, but I don't want to not talk about discipleship. So um, sure. tell me what that looks like. And also, if you would touch on your micro church piece, that would be so great. Sure. Yeah, I'll try, I'll try to tackle that. So discipleship, just first of all, happens around the table. There's a bit of a misnomer, I have to say, that like people look at dinner church and say, but what about discipleship? And I'm like, surprise. It is. All of what we were talking about, about heart change needing to happen with people and their participation in table-centered church is probably the most important discipleship that happens within our community. Mm-hmm. And there's opportunity for more discipleship. And I think the the missing piece where micro churches for us come in, we grew to a kind of public space size, I would say, if you're familiar with spaces of belonging. 60 plus. So like 60 to 100 is where the experience is. And it's, it's harder to find your people in the midst yeah. of that. And discipleship components of it need to happen when you have accountability with a group of people on mission. And so that's where micro church comes in for us. We have really talented, gifted leaders who are kind of hosting a space for a smaller personal space of belonging and accountability. And they study scripture together, have more intentional discipleship conversation. For us, the rhythm is that happens once a month right now. Sometimes okay. instead of going to dinner church, we're fine with that. Or some people just, we like to call it double dip. They go to micro church in the morning and then come to dinner church in the evening. That's not a requirement, but it creates a space of connection and also a space where certain discipleship conversations can, can happen. So that's what micro churches and our hope, this isn't the characteristic initially, but we don't want dinner church to be our only expression of mission. We hope that Mm -hmm. like particular kinds of expression and mission emerge from those micro churches in more particular kind of ways that only a, a group that size could do in a neighborhood. Yeah. 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 We also have men's and women's groups that have been going since the beginning of our church. And Uh it's just a a different, more intimate space. Uh, We call it, you know, recovery or confession for everyday life, where Mm. it's a space to be honest and um, where spiritual temperatures is what we refer to it as. Like, you can be at a zero, you can be like, I don't even know if I believe in God and I I need a place to be honest about that and real. I think a lot of times small groups can turn into like a social club. Yes. Um, or a book study, which is both of those things are needed in our lives. But what about those honest spaces? Um, so that that's one of the spaces that we've tried to create and you know, not, not everybody from our church attends those. Um, not everybody attends a micro church. Um, but it's provided in the sense like, Hey, is this, is this something that your soul needs right now? Um, and people, it, those are designed specifically for really anyone to sort of pop into, um, as needed. Right. All right. So you, uh, JD talked about heart change. Of course, that's the goal. Um, a goal. Can you share just one personal example of heart chains or life transformation that you've seen in dinner church? For me or for someone who's... Either one. (laughs) That's always what I say too. You're talking about me here, right? (laughs) Because I totally changed. Uh, Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of change in me as a pastor. There's... uh, you know, in any ministry context, some of that change comes like in an instant. 
but more often it comes, it's hard to market. It's hard to notice it. It's hard to celebrate it. And one of the things that I love to point out to people who are interested in dinner church, because I think sometimes when they look at the models of dinner church that exist right now, they think Mm -hmm. that it's primarily for reaching people who haven't been to church in many years, like a kind of the, 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 the cutting edge of evangelism or something like that. But we've noticed that there's at least a dual purpose in um, creating a space for people who are, don't feel at home in churches recently, Mm -hmm. who are kind of departing from church, not because they don't love Jesus, but because they've been wounded or are uh, what I call ecclesiological misfits where they don't like quite connect with the way of doing church Mm -hmm. and that is slowly wearing on their soul. And recently I received just a card. We came back from sabbatical not too too long ago and our community did this really wonderful thing where they kind of wrote us notes to welcome us Mm -hmm. back. And one phrase that someone said that really touched me is they said, we would not be doing church if it weren't for North city. And this is someone who's been following Jesus for a long time, who I deeply admire, who I sometimes even would consider as a mentor. And Mm. so that's kind of the hidden transformation. I think there's some like life change, like this person came and there was tears and they're like, yes to Jesus. But there's also this very important and crucial thing that the Holy Spirit's doing, which is creating space for people he loves who've been following him for a long time, who just can't handle the dissonance of church as it is and how, and we have seen uh, God use the dinner church model to restore and create space for um, healing that needs to happen uh, Mm -hmm. from church hurt or just uh, for those ecclesiological misfits that find a community that they can love Jesus and be a part of. So So important in this day and age, really. All right. So um, one more little story. Yeah, Yeah, Um, please. I I think this is a a general uh, story that that happens when you intentionally are spending your church like open to your neighborhood. Um, And our our neighborhood context is uh, residential urban. Mm -hmm. Um, We're in Minneapolis. In a neighbor, like in North Minneapolis, in a neighborhood that is pretty diverse and economically diverse, um, I think people uh, might say, "Oh, I want to live in a certain part of the the city." Sometimes it's because the house prices are good, but sometimes that you know, right. they're making an intentional decision to live life next to people who are different from them, so that they, they can care for what God cares about. Um, maybe some of the brokenhearted. And the transformation that I've noticed is um, actually being able to talk to neighbors uh, and how God transforms hearts uh, to care for the neighborhood, not just in this theoretical way, right? not just in this, you know, I want to invest in my neighborhood just by buying a house here. Right. Like people know neighbors' names and they can pray for them and they're engaged in what's happening in the neighborhood. You know, like Mm -hmm. not that far from us, there were some gunshots, you know, during our dinner church and we pause and pray, you know, during our staff meeting. And so it's just this turn towards a place. And I think in a digital world um, where you can connect to anyone, anywhere, 
uh, to be rooted and, and mindful of your neighbor and to love them as yourself, as Jesus is inviting us to do. It's just hard to do that. Like that's yeah. not an easy thing to do. And I've just loved watching this in my own life. And then also in the lives of yeah. people who have come where it's yeah. not theoretical anymore. Like they really are it's authentic. also receiving that love from yeah. neighbors yeah. that they didn't necessarily anticipate either. And from people that they wouldn't likely have received it from in, right. a, you know, otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's what is so beautiful to me is seeing people of totally different backgrounds and thinking and all of that connect at dinner church around that table is just, just wonderful. All right. Well, I think, uh, we are, we are probably pretty much out of time here, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so JD, I'm going to throw some of your questions back at you. What's your favorite dinner church meal? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I, um, so our favorite dinner church meal on the whole, I think we call it cub fried chicken. Cause we have these cub, um, grocery stores in our region oh, okay. we just, and it's our most affordable meal and it's so delicious i don't know that it's good for our guts but it is nope. so delicious <laughs> uh, that's so funny chicken. that you say that's one of your most affordable meals when we do Publix fried chicken it's one of our most expensive but also one of our most loved so. <laughs> you need some pubs down no, there there's more affordable that's right, that's right. by the way oh, there is. i have the uh, assumption he, is he's not always in the know, but <laughs> other people answer. It's one of my favorites, and I don't feel great after I eat it, but I feel great when I'm eating it. So uh, it's one of those sort of like, oh, yeah. just just mm -hmm. love it. Cool. I would say chili. Cool. Our chili nights yeah. are, are well good. in cold weather. I'm sure that is a perfect one. Yeah. 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 yeah, we call that winter food, and we don't touch that in Florida. Oh, that's hilarious! <laughs> Unless it's really, really cold. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, as you guys keep on trucking forward, how can we pray for you? Hmm. Yeah, we're we're making a shift. Uh, one of the yeah. things we're we're experimenting with is uh, during the school year time frame is going to a brunch church time frame, mm -hmm. um, and so. Uh, just it might fit a little bit better in the Minnesota context and yeah. you know, not outdoors in the same way and um, kind of looking to to go a little deeper with the people who mm -hmm. have, have said North City is their home and do a more equipping um, in prep for summer and just in general, too. So, yeah, um, yeah that God would would show up and lead us. And um, we yeah. all say, Jesus, this is your church. Would you, you know, would you lead us? So, yeah, I love that. Spirit. I think what I hear from our conversation today is you guys are just so willing to try it differently, try something new, <laughs> really listen to, to God in all of this. And, and I appreciate that. So, well, thank you so much for this conversation today. Um, I have learned, I have a friend that I can't wait to call after this and say, okay, you need to check this out in Minneapolis because this could be you know, the future of your church. So yeah. yeah, anyway, well, thank you guys so much. It was great to be with you and I'll hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, okay. Heather. Thanks for listening today. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your dinner church story. You can connect with us over at dinnerchurch.com. It's also where you can find a lot of great resources about how to start or sustain your dinner church journey. Dinner Church Podcast is brought to you by the Dinner Church Collective and Fresh Expressions. The Dinner Church Collective is a nationwide community of everyday missionaries spreading the word about this simple, effective, and historical approach to starting new churches. 
We sure hope you'll join us for the Dinner Church Summit November 9th through the 11th, 2023 in Orlando, Florida. This will be the inaugural gathering of the Dinner Church Collective, and it's your opportunity to be a part of developing a family of pioneers who are passionate about recapturing this powerful expression of God's kingdom. You will meet new colleagues who become friends, all while eating well, worshiping heartily, and learning tangible practices for building a dinner church movement. Learn more at dinnerchurch.com summit. This season of the Dinner Church podcast is hosted by Heather Evans and J.D. Larson. It's edited by Joel Limbowen and produced by Kathleen Blackie and Chris Morton. Dr. Verlin Fosner is the director of Dinner Church Collective, and Dr. Chris Backert is the North American director of Fresh Expressions. If you have learned something or been encouraged by this podcast, please help us spread the word. You can give us a review on Apple Music or Spotify and even share this episode on social media. May God bless you as you serve Jesus' kingdom.